We are here uh, diving into uh, our second week series, uh, our second week in a seven-week series on worship. And my name is Matthew. If we've never met, if you're new to Jesus, if you're just on this journey exploring who God is, like, welcome to you. And um, we're, I've just been so blessed just to watch God moving, uh, uh, you know, through stories I'm hearing about the Alder Grove campus, new relationships form, new groups forming, alpha forming. Um, it's just so exciting. So uh, I'm so happy to be here. And what we're going to do is for seven weeks, we are just exploring uh, the topic of worship and what it means to follow Jesus. So we're in a series called Abide, a people apprentice to Jesus in worship. And this is part of an ongoing theme that we have been exploring since 2018, looking specifically at what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. Um, that's the language we're using for discipleship or what it means to follow Jesus. And so throughout these seven weeks, we're looking at seven different postures for worship. And you'll know that last week you heard about what it means to come hungry and thirsty before God in worship, and that only He satisfies. And I want to let you know that I know many of you at the Alder Grove campus were at our worship night at the Walnut Grove campus. And so we're excited to host seven worship nights uh, that go kind of that lock in lockstep with the seven Sunday mornings on worship. And so please come this Wednesday night, seven o'clock here. Is that right? Here. So uh, Yorkson and Walnut Grove will be coming here to worship with you. So uh, make sure that you're here this Wednesday night uh, worshiping, and we're just going to continue to practice coming before the Lord in worship and prayer. So today we're going to focus on the posture of thankfulness. Thankfulness. The posture of thankfulness. Here on week two, we want to learn what it means to come before God with thankful hearts. Thankfulness offered to God can lead to an incredible reorientation of the heart, and I believe that it leads us deeper into a loving relationship with God. So today, I want us to learn to say just two simple words. Thank you. Could you just say that out loud? Thank you. That's it. That's it. And it might seem simple, but I hope today that you're blessed as you begin to ponder the thankfulness in your own heart and life. Uh, I have been really thankful. I, I was thinking about what's a story from my life where I'm just genuinely thankful and I like, um, and I couldn't add anything to that. I just, I could only say thank you and leave it, leave it at that. Um, and I thought about uh, our three kids uh, who have all had like breathing problems. They, they've all, they all have lungs that aren't great and they take after me. I, I don't have great lungs. And so there's been some asthma and, and anyway, and so um, for many times, uh, we would watch uh, friends of ours, their kids would get sick, and their kids would just kind of bounce back after a cold or a flu. But our kids, it would just linger forever, and it would linger in their lungs. And uh, so we had really uh, quite uh, too many scary moments where we were watching our kids unable to get a breath in, just like, like just cl everything closed off. And and wondering how long they could go like that. And they were, you know, the medical team would give us home remedies to do, you know, try to get their lungs opened a bit. But uh, we have called 911 often, and there is nothing like that moment of seeing those firefighters walk through the door, those paramedics walk through the door, and then going to Surrey Peds, like to take our kids to the pediatric wing there, and just the team there. And, and when I think of the love and care that, the, that these people have shown for our kids, all I can do is say thank you. 
Like, they, I have nothing to say other than thank you. I cannot do what you do. Thank you for spending years studying um, uh, for this. You've spent years of your life in school paying a lot of money to be able to, like, know what to do when my kid's not breathing. Thank you. Um, actually, um, Josh on the keys. Where's Josh? Josh. Josh and I had a great conversation about this. Josh is, is going to be a paramedic and just working uh, in that way. I'm just so grateful for people like you, Josh, who are just spending their life um, investing and caring for people. And, and I love that. And so, I, and so when I was thinking about today, I thought, who, I thought, this is the story of Christianity, that God comes into our life and fills us with his spirit. And the Bible calls it the breath of God, that we can breathe, that we can have life again. And uh, he's the one who gives us, in Greek, it's pneuma. In Hebrew, it's ruach. He gives us his spirit and fills our life so that we can breathe, so that we then could pour out our breath to the Lord in worship and thankfulness and say thank you to him. And so what I want us to do is begin by looking at Psalm 100 here before we pray. We read this, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what? Aldergrove? Thanksgiving. And his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And God, we come to you and we pray that you would show us what it means to be a thankful people. And we thank you for the breath you have given us, the breath of life, your very presence in us. And we pray that we would use all of that breath to echo back our thanksgiving to you and our praise to you. God, for many of us who struggle with complaining and grumbling, and seeing the world as half em- uh, a glass um, half empty, God, we pray that you would heal us this morning, that we would be a people who, who echo back this thanksgiving to you. We love you. Amen. All right, so as we're learning to be thankful to God in worship, we're going to join Jesus in a story where he heals 10 people. He heals 10 people with leprosy in a village. And would you turn to Luke 17? Uh, you can open your Bibles to Luke 17, and it will be in verses 11 to 19. And for those of you who are new to Jesus, you didn't bring a Bible, it's all good. Um, the, the verses will be on the screen here. Luke 17, 11 to 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. So this is the word of the Lord. Now, ten, Jesus heals ten people with leprosy, and only one comes back to say thank you. The one who came back was a Samaritan, and that's an enemy of the people of Israel. So the one least likely to come back comes back and is thankful. And the question we're asking today is, would you come back? Would you come back? Notice that the man who's thankful has two responses. 
Look at verse 15 again. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Notice two postures. Number one, he comes back praising God with a loud voice. And then he throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. So thanking God in a loud voice, and he falls at his feet. So this is worship. I would like to introduce you to two postures of worship. Loud voice and falling on your feet before Jesus. Okay, so, the, so our uh, preferred worship uh, posture is this, right? And, uh, and so I know that some of you grew up in traditions where it's, it's like this. You know, some of you grew up in traditions where it's just like, whoa. But like most of us probably in the room grew up in traditions, which is like this. So I'm just, um, this is no pressure. <laughs> but what I'm going to do in the next few minutes is show that maybe like this and singing at the top of your lungs and maybe sometimes kneeling down in worship are not odd. That they might actually be proper responses in worship when we are thankful. Um, imagine if I came to you today and said, all your debts are canceled. The bank wrote you a letter and said, you don't owe a thing. What would you do? I think you would do some kind of jig or dance that probably many in your life have not witnessed before. But it's deep in you and it just kind of bubbles up and you're doing something and everyone's like, whoa, but like we're happy for you, but that is something we've never noticed before. You, it would, you would have a physical response, right? I mean, imagine someone comes to you and you've told you, you, you are fully healed from the illness. I mean, you would, you would fall down, you would be grateful. My wife was on a flight from Paraguay to Argentina in a little plane. And it hit a storm. And, um, and, she, and she said the way that plane was rattling, she's never experienced it before. People were, you know, anyway, throwing up and praying and crossing themselves and all kinds of stuff. And when it landed, she watched all these amazing uh, Latinos, our Latin American friends, kissing the ground. They come off the plane and they're, they're kissing the ground. They're thankful, right? This is a posture of like, I'm grateful to be alive right now, Right? See, it's physical, right? Would we not be filled with thanksgiving if someone came to us with good news? Would you shout? Would you fall to your knees? And we're hesitant, right? We're hesitant to lift our hands or sing loudly because it just feels a little odd. And of course, there's a weird way to do it. There's a weird way to like get attention. If you're new to Jesus, that probably sounds weird. <laughs> but like in Christian circles, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm looking holy and more spiritual. And that, of course, that's not good, right? We don't want to do that. But what if it's genuine? What if it's genuine? I would encourage you to not worry about what others are thinking. And that if you're coming with deep gratefulness to sing boldly and loudly, and you don't have to be on key here, it's okay. And um, that's why the music is loud. So that, no, just kidding. Um, no, but you, just, you sing, sing your heart out and lift up your hands. And so all of it is appropriate. It's appropriate because we're grateful. I love what Lewis writes. He says, quote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. So think about this. Praise and thankfulness complete the enjoyment. It's almost like our enjoyment isn't complete until we say, thank you, thank you. So when I, I love Van Gogh, so when I look at Starry Night, um, I want to say thank you. Feels like it's incomplete because he's dead, you know? And I want to say thank you. Or The Return of the Prodigal. Have you seen that painting by Rembrandt? You just want to thank him for that gift to the world. But it may be more kind of 
You know, every week example is like you eat delicious food. You eat delici- delicious food and you just want to, can you thank the, like, Whoever made this, like Stephen, Stephen is a good cook. This guy right here, he's playing bass. He plays bass, but he also cooks incredible food. And you want to thank people like Stephen who just cook something delicious for our enjoyment. Or you drink a delicious latte, you say thanks to the barista, right? Praise and thankfulness complete the enjoyment for us. I love how Lewis says that. It's the right response. And so what is praise? When you hear the word praise, it seems like a Christianese word, just a Bible word or something. No, obviously we use it in our own life too. It's thankfulness in action. See it that way. Praise is thankfulness in action. We're thanking God and it's a sign that we're not taking God for granted. Maybe just kind of underline that in your mind. (laughs) We're not taking God for granted. It's a sign that we couldn't do this on our own and we need him, his kingship, his kingdom, all of his goodness in our life. Let me just say, sometimes life is terrible. It's horrible from work to family to whatever it is you're going through health-wise. And we look at this collection of things and we're like, there's nothing to be grateful for. And let me encourage you with the first step. One of the first steps, and I'll, and I'll get to some of this a little bit later, is to actually is to be outside and to see God's creation, and to begin to, 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 to notice the work of art, um, whether it's the mountains, or the rivers, or it, animals. Um, so funny, our family bought a cat a few weeks ago, and while my wife and children just love this cat, uh, I'm not so sure about my relationship with the cat, and the cat really loves me, and is not picking up on my no vibes. They're like, oh no, cats are smart. And I'm like, not that smart. Like I, I'm trying to like, but he just wants to cuddle with me. And I'm like, no. Um, anyway, but I look at my cat. I'm like, okay, this, I mean, it really is beautiful. You look at, you look at animals in the mountains and the river, you're just thankful to God. Um, there's a, one of my favorite songs by an artist named Rich Mullins. He writes the song, thanking God for the color green which sounds kind of funny, but he, he thanks God for creation. But then, it, so the song's called The Color Green, but listen to these lyrics. He says, be praised for all your tenderness by these works of your hands, suns that rise and rains that fall to bless and bring to life your land. Look down upon this winter wheat and be glad that you've made blue for the sky and the color green that fills these fields with praise. The blue sky The color green. Praise is the right response. Rich is singing back to God, praising God, because he doesn't want to take that beauty for granted. And so maybe if praise is hard, start with creation and thank God for what you see around you. So here's the deal. This Samaritan, the Samaritan, healed by Jesus, is reacting appropriately. And the question is really, why didn't the nine come back? The other nine, right? And T. Wright asks this, he says, which then is more surprising? The fact that one person came back, shouted for joy, and fell down at Jesus' feet, or the fact that the nine didn't? Why didn't the nine come back? So I ask, Matthew, why don't you say thank you? It's puzzling. I'm the worst offender. God does something amazing in my life, and I'm embarrassed to think of the amount of times I don't say thank you. I look at my... I keep a list of prayer requests in my journal. I have a prayer request list. Is my thank you list is equally long. (laughs) Or there's some things I've prayed fervently for that I never say thank you for. Why don't we go back and say thank you? It's puzzling. Maybe, 
Maybe once we get what we want, once life looks good, we start operating like we don't need him. Because if God is the great vending machine in the sky, he gave us what we needed after we put the coin in and pushed the letter and number, and then his gift came to the, and we open up the little flap and we grab our candy bar, and we're, okay, now we're going to walk away. So we're good, you know, thanks God, that's what prayer is. (laughs) Um, And I don't need the vending machine until I need the vending machine again. (laughs) And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do the same thing. And so the nine who didn't return, I think they have like a vending machine faith. Do you have a vending machine faith? Do I? I wonder if sometimes um, the most grateful people are the people that are not taking God for granted. Um, many of us who are Christians, we, we have the potential of taking God for granted. How many of you have been friends with someone who has met Jesus for the first time? What are they like? They're like, this this is great. (laughs) This is amazing. Like the cross, the resurrection, like learning to pray, worship, community, like the whole thing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's good. Um, It's, it is good. Yeah. I see what you're saying, you know? And you're like, why is this? So we get into this thing where we take God for granted. And And the question I'm wondering is, are we more likely to take God's blessings for granted and grumble and complain the longer we follow him? See, that's, it's something to ponder. You know, the more years that I follow God, how, how often am I, am I taking him and his blessings for granted? So what I want to do is I want to focus on grumbling and complaining. Sounds exciting, right? Let's, let's just focus on grumbling and complaining, right? And most of us are just like, okay, here we go. This is, <laughs> this might be me. Many of you may be familiar with the Saturday Night Live character, Debbie Downer, uh, played by Rachel Dratch. Debbie uh, makes her first appearance on SNL uh, in 2004, and she became a fan favorite, probably because there's a little bit, of, little bit of Debbie in all of us, right? Debbie finds a way to grumble and complain about anything and everything. So if you don't know Debbie, um, for every positive perspective, that is offered out there, she likes to insert a negative perspective, and she's just pro at grumbling. Um, so here's some quotes from Debbie gathered. So she's gathered with her friends. Uh, this is the first time she shows up. Uh, Jimmy Fallon's in the skit. Lindsay Lohan, it's her. She's um, the, the guest, and uh, they're at Disney World, and they're eating. Jimmy Fallon says, I love me some steak and eggs. And Debbie says, ever since they found mad cow disease in the U.S., I'm not taking any chances. It can live in your body for years before it ravages your brain. (laughs) Lindsay Lohan says, I just made eye contact with Pluto, and he's coming over here. And Debbie says, it must be fun to work here, although the biggest drawback to working in a theme park is that you must live under constant fear of deadly terrorist attacks. And there's always this like, like this like tuba or something that plays this, right? And, and it's like, Debbie, really? Seriously? Uh, and her, but her responses, there's something powerful about that skit, because her responses are so true to the human condition. We go straight to the glass being half empty. Life is not a glass half full, it's half empty. It's how we see the world, you know? And in the book of Exodus, um, the people of Israel, God's people, had been set free by God in a powerful way. Some of you who know the story, you'll know that God's people were in slavery. God comes with a power, in a powerful way, takes them out of slavery, leads them through a desert to their new home, this land that is, quote unquote, filled with milk and honey. 
And um, on their journey, so they left Egypt on the 15th day of the first month. Then on the 15th day of the second month, they've been traveling in the desert for about a month, and they begin to grumble. We read this. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, they start grumbling because they're hungry. They're hungry. And they think back to being slaves in Egypt. And they remember that they sat around pots of meat. Now, I kind of laughed when I read that, pots of meat. I was like, gross, pots of meat? And then I thought, oh, like the, like the Chinese food concept of hot pot, right? And I was like, oh, well, that's delicious. That's amazing. So I'm just going to insert hot pot instead of pots of meat. For some reason, that changes the vibe. Uh, so the people of Israel, they're in the desert, they're hungry, they're remembering hot pot. And what are they not remembering? This, yeah, the slave part. <laughs> this is what, what, you're forgetting a big part to Egypt, you know? Um, the slave part. Slave, they, they were slaves. And so I know you miss your hot pot, but you're free now. And Israel is being this major Debbie Downer. The glass is half empty. And they're saying, sure, God freed us from Pharaoh. Sure, he crushed the Egyptian army. Sure, he's leading us through the wilderness. But where's the hot pot? And as the story unfolds, God uh, feeds his people in the desert. It's a beautiful story. But what I want to focus on is the grumbling. The grumbling. Um, I was thinking about grumbling, and I thought... um, there's, there are these noises people make before they grumble. And uh, one of them is to let out a short, quick breath. So it's like, I just right? Or the other one is the T sound. It's like, and sometimes it's just a low hum and you feel it like crescendo. It's just like, right? Could you turn to your neighbor and share with them your grumble sound? Or your pre-grumble sound. Share it with your neighbor. All right. If, if, some, of, if some of you started with, I don't grumble, do I? I really hope that your friend or your family member was like, Absolutely. You, you definitely do. And let me give you the sound you make when you're grumbling. Um, if we looked at the last 10 things you shared on social media, are you complaining? If, if I, this is a creepy example, but if I was like hovering around your last 10 conversations and listening, you know, uh, are you complaining? Are you grumbling? See, those kind of mental exercises of like, whoa, okay, let me look at what I'm sharing. <laughs> Um, they're humbling. See, the people of Israel grumble against Moses and Aaron, but listen to Moses. You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. This is the key insight to this story. We may think, no, 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 I'm just being honest with a friend or my spouse or my coworker or something like that. But this is a complaint against God, and we feel the gravity of this. There's a whole passage on, in Ephesians 5 about thankfulness, um, and we're going to get there later in the series. But just commenting on Ephesians 5, John Stott, pastor in England, uh, writes this, grumbling, one of Israel's besetting sins, is serious because it's a symptom of unbelief. 
Whenever we start moaning and groaning, it's proof positive that we're not filled with the Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit fills believers, they thank their Heavenly Father at all times for all things. Living a life of gratitude is a sign that we have been filled with the Spirit. It's extremely difficult to give thanks and to sin at the same time. It's like juggling, right? Um, or rubbing your stomach while patting your head, whatever that is. It's difficult. Now, I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult to give thanks and to sin at the same time. So I'm just saying, if you're struggling with sin, try giving thanks for other things. Because, let me give an example. It's very hard to be truly thankful for your spouse and actively desire another one. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it's very, very hard. It's it's very difficult to be thankful for your house, for your job, whatever it is, and constantly stress about a new one. What if we pause and just said, hold on a minute. I look at my basement suite. I look at my condo. I look at my townhome. I'm thankful for, for, for this. I'm thankful for my room. I have a bed. I have a roof over my head. I'm thankful, God. Thank you so much. I'm grateful for my friends. Thankful to them, you know? Thankful to you, God, for them. It's a powerful weapon that heals us of temptation. And and I also just want to quickly say, it is good for us. God in his mercy knows that thankfulness is actually good for us physically, too. Dr. Travis Bradbury is someone who seems to be a leader in the field of emotional intelligence, and he writes about the impact of grumbling and complaining, uh, the impact it has on our life. He says, it's important to understand how the brain works. Our brain loves efficiency and doesn't like to work harder than it has to. So when I repeat a behavior like complaining, my neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. And scientists like to say, neurons that fire together, wire together. It's like scientists have fun saying that. Hey, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. Yeah, good. Uh, The neurons grow closer and closer together, forming a permanent bridge in the brain. That bridge in my brain makes it much easier to, you know, to, to walk across that bridge, to travel that bridge in the future. So that it's so easy that in the future, the more I do it, Um, sometimes I may not even have a clue that I'm complaining, right? And over time, it gets easier and easier to grumble. And this kind of terrifying moment comes when it becomes our default setting in life. None of us want that. We never want grumbling and complaining to become our default setting in life. Yikes, right? Dr. Bradbury writes this. Quote, research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol shifts you into fight or flight mode, directing oxygen, blood, and energy away from everything but the systems that are essential to immediate survival. 
One effect of cortisol, for example, is to raise your blood pressure and blood sugar so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. All the extra cortisol released by frequent complaining impairs your immune system and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. Now, I know that's pretty intense to read that quote. And by the way, I need to really clarify, if any of you have experienced any of these symptoms, I'm not saying they're coming from complaining, right? Yikes. And definitely don't use this as a weapon against others, right? Um, in their complaining. I, all I want to do, I only offer this to you to, to show what a big deal this is, right? And how practical this is, right? Like God cares about worship, absolutely. He cares about relationships. He also cares about your body. He cares about you, you know? And he cares about the health of our minds and hearts. So let's be thankful. Let's be thankful. Let's practice being a thankful people, Let's come to God and worship with thankful hearts. And how do we do that? Two quick thoughts from me. So number one, count your blessings and see all that God has done for you. When I wrote count your blessings in the sermon, I was like, isn't that on every like Hallmark card and like Christian bookstore? Count your blessings. And then I was like, oh wait, but that's actually really good. Uh, Count your blessings. Actually count them. Actually count them. Um, What has God done for you? Have you paused to reflect on your life and what he's done for you? That you would have eyes to see all that he has filled your life with. And if if we're having trouble, may I encourage us to start at the cross, right at the cross, and and, and to be blown away by the, the Christ defeat of the dark powers in our life, of the redemption that we have, of there's just this cleansing that we've received, the forgiveness of sins. We just look at it. And when all of our life is falling apart, we can always look to the cross. We can always look to the empty tomb and to thank God for the new life we've received. When home and work and when everything, friendships, when it's falling apart, finances, we look to the cross, we look to the tomb. We can always be thankful, always And then my encouragement is one other thing you could do is you could pick a section of scripture and study it and see what God has done for you in that one passage. It was really cool. We, uh, at our Walnut Grove campus, you're invited to come every Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m. I've already lost most of you at that (laughs) 6.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, there's free coffee, but we get into groups, small groups, and we study study a a passage, and we just started the book of Ephesians. Uh, Tuesday morning, um, Ephesians, and my friend Andrew Ransom was leading the study, and he opened with this verse, Ephesians 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And you're like, okay, every spiritual blessing in Christ, isn't that special? Um, and uh, another SNL skit, isn't that special? Uh, see, and, and you're like, okay, well, what are those blessings? Well, look at the rest of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. By the way, just if you want to write this down, this could be a perfect thing for you to reflect on this week. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. I'm just going to tell you in my words what you find there. Uh, And in the Greek, it's one sentence. Classic Paul. It's the longest sentence in the Bible. One sentence. Uh, He chose us. God chose us. In love, God has adopted us into his family. Ponder that for a bit. He's freely given you his grace. Jesus has healed the world. We are included in Christ. We are saved by Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
We belong to God. He has an inheritance for us. He has redeemed us. All of this is in Ephesians 1. And again, when life is falling apart, we come to the word of God and we say, yes, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for healing us. We just count those blessings. And then we look around us, as I mentioned earlier. We look around us. N.T. Wright writes this. Our God is the giver of all things. Every mouthful of food we take, every breath of air we inhale, every note of music we hear, every smile on the face of a friend, a child, a spouse, all of that, and a million things more are good gifts from his generosity. So just count it. Look around you. Look to the scriptures. Count it. Add it up. And number two, in prayer and worship, let's practice saying thank you. In prayer and worship, practice saying thank you. One discipline that's been really helpful for me is to wake up in the morning and before I go to the Bible and before I start to say please, right, with that list of requests, I'm, I'm learning to say thank you. And you'd be surprised. I know many of you in the room have practiced this. As soon as you start and you actually journal it, you start saying thank you to God. For th- it's unreal. You, you actually start to keep going. And you're like, you know, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. And it, you just, you just, it keeps going. <laughs> and it's beautiful, right? Because as soon as you unlock the thankfulness door, so much starts to pour out. And you're just, you're aware and you're reminded, this thing is not working, God, in my life. This thing right here. <laughs> but when I pause that for a second and I look at all these other things, I come in gratefulness. And it almost gives a perspective on this thing. That, that I'm struggling with. So I'd encourage you to try that early in the morning. But then finally, there's singing. There is singing. And uh, in the singing, there's healing. Um, my encouragement to you is for the rest of this service and maybe this Wednesday night, come to worship and just be, and as you start singing, feel free to sing the words, but also just in your mind, start thanking God. Thank him for all he's done. Can we stand together right now? We're gonna worship, we're gonna, we're gonna do that here in a minute. We're going to take a break for coffee here in a second, but I want us to end this uh, by hearing these words. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And um, in our worship a little bit later on in the service, I'd encourage you to come forward for prayer. I know you have your prayer room, and come and just maybe some vulnerability and say, actually, I'm struggling a little bit with grumpiness and complaining. I would love to have a thankful heart. Maybe some of you want to come for prayer to say thank you. You want to join with our prayer team and say, God, thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. And I just want to pray with someone else. So like my children who struggled with their breath, he has, God has given you his pneuma, his ruach, and he's filled you. He's given you his spirit so that you would live. So let's be the one out of the 10 who comes back. Let's practice that. Alder Grove, let's do this, right? Let's come back to Jesus and say, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for my life, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Jesus, heal me of all grumbling. Heal me of all complaining. Open my eyes and show me all that you have done for me. And Alder Grove, will you pray this? 
uh, with me. This is Psalm 136. You can pray it, out, pray it out loud. Just say it out loud with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. God, your love endures forever, and we give you all thanks for all you're doing in our lives. We love you. Amen.